listening to 88.9 FM KUCI in Irvine. The views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information on this or other KUCI programs, visit KUCI.org or KUCITalk.org. Shore, composer of all three films in Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy, and composer to come of the two, not one, but count them, two Hobbit movies being produced and directed by Peter Jackson, Sir Peter Jackson, for those of you who are interested in titles. Welcome to What Would Arwen Do on KUCI Irvine. You may ask, what is this program? If a Middle-earth elf lived today in Orange County, what might her life look like? How would she celebrate and support the arts, music, her community, and the preservation of Earth, its beauty, resources, and creatures? In other words, what would Arwen do? Some ask, what would Jesus do? Which is a very good question. But on this program, I ask, we ask, what would Arwen do? You may ask, who was Arwen? In J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings... Arwen was an elf princess, the daughter of Elrond, a prince among elves and lord of Rivendell, a magical place of healing, lore, and wisdom. Hmm, perhaps not unlike the community here at UC Irvine. Arwen was also a beloved daughter of the universe, as are all the women of this fair celestial home called Earth, or in elvish Arda. I believe Arwen understood the principle of noblesse oblige. With great privilege comes responsibility. She embodied the archetype of a true princess of the light through her courage, wisdom, beauty, her sense of humor, and service to others. In Tolkien and the Lord of the Rings, A Guide to Middle-Earth, Colin Durias writes, quote, In his invented mythology of Middle-Earth, Tolkien intended that his elves were an extended metaphor of a key aspect of human nature. This elven quality in human life was a central preoccupation of Tolkien's. Elves, dwarves, hobbits, and the like partially represent human beings. In Tolkien's mythology, elves represent what is high and noble in humans. In particular, they represent the arts in their highest form, work done in the image of God and his created world. End quotation. I believe, we believe, this elven quality exists in every person and yearns for expression through the gifts of creativity, nobility, and service. So, having the incredible privilege of having a public affairs program on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, right here in the Middle Earth campus of the University of California at Irvine, and being friends with an elf in beautiful Orange County. When things arise that I want to think more deeply about, I like to ask my elf friend Tani Tanuvial the question, what would Arwen do? This is Milo Lomestown, a hobbit at your service, and with me today, as always, is my elf friend, Tani Tanuvial, the resident Middle-Earth KUCI elf. Good afternoon, Tani. My Gavanin and Suilade, dear hobbit friend, how are you today? 
Oh my gosh, it's such a pleasure to be here today. <laughs> Happy New Year to you and all of our friends in the radio land and the podcast land. Happy New Year and Koyo Mai, live well. My gosh, yes, live well. It's And it's such a beautiful day. It's been uh, raining here lately, which I love because it makes the trees dance and it makes the plants all very happy. Um, My garden is growing like crazy. I know. Gardens everywhere are growing like crazy, and all of the brown hillsides are turning to bright green. And uh, it's absolutely magnificent. Although today, I'm very happy to say, because I had errands to run and things to run around and do, I wasn't uh, at work, uh, which I love too, but it's indoors. And the sun was shining. So I got to feel the sun on my face and the fresh air and... No puddle jumping today, which puddle jumping is a very elvish activity. <laughs> oh, yes. You but today elves, it, was sun, it was sunshine bathing. <laughs> you elves love your rain, but for a different reason than we hobbits. We, we love it for the garden. Yes. And actually, in the right context, going walking in the rain is wonderful. But now it's yes. a very crisp and cool and sunny when we re- entered the confines here of our radio station. And, of course, we broadcast from the University of California at Irvine, which is also home to a to Middle Earth Housing and the Ring Road. And it most certainly looks like the Shire in spring around here today, even though we're in the deeps of winter. It does indeed. Well, let's say a welcome to all of our friends who are listening live at KUCI-FM 88.9 megahertz on your FM radio dial. Also to the people listening live on the Internet, as we know there are at least, well, there are many listening (laughs) at KUCI.org. In the upper right-hand corner, you can click on one of those web links and Mm -hmm. listen in either real audio format or MP3 with your Windows Media Player or other MP3 player. Or you can listen through iTunes. That's very true. If you go to the iTunes store and search on Arden, that's Arwen, Arwen, A-R-W-E-N, not to be confused with the Shakespearean forest, but <laughs> Arwen, A-R-W-E-N, you will find several entries for Arwen. One of them is our program, What Would Arwen Do? And we podcast there. And also at KUCITalk.org, mm-hmm. where you'll find all of the wonderful KUCI public affairs programming. Yes. So here we are. The Today is the 4th of January. And yesterday was quite a significant day, was it not? Oh, my gosh, yes. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) A day to celebrate. The 119th birthday, the 119th birthday of J.R.R. Tolkien. 119th birthday of J.R.R. Tolkien. Unbelievable, Elf Princess. Yes, and so we, in honor of the professor, we wanted to have, and of the New Year, because New Year's um, can bring all kinds of adventures and... You just never know what a new year is going to bring. And it's always, well, I feel like it's always an adventure. We elves know that the cup of life holds the bitter and the sweet. Some years are full of a little more sweetness. Some years are full of a little bit more of the savory bitterness of life. But it's all part of our path. 
That's absolutely true. And it's true. starting starting this week. In fact, next week, uh, in case you are a regular listener, or even if you're a new listener to KUCI, next week starts the beginning of our new KUCI programming. And I'm very happy to announce that we will still be here in our time slot from 4 to 5 p.m. And I think that most of the public affairs programming is staying the same, but... We are a college radio station, and so every quarter we have some programs that go away for a while and new programs that come in. So I hope that people will uh, take a look at our website because we have music in all different genres and lots of wonderful public affairs programming. And in case you're looking for a show and don't find it, uh, look around. It might be in a different time slot. (laughs) That's absolutely correct. In fact, uh, mark on your calendars Monday, January the 10th, that's when the new programming schedule goes into effect, effectively the first the uh, first day of programming for the winter quarter here as UCI is on a quarterly educational system as far as calendars. Speaking of and, calendars... And speaking of KUCI, just to let our listeners know also, and especially we want to welcome back all the students that have been away on uh, break, but there will be another DJ training coming up for next quarter. I'm not sure if we have an announcement on our website at KUCI.org yet, but the date for the next DJ training, and if you are a, KUC, a, a UCI student, staff, or faculty, you are eligible to come and take the DJ training. And more information about that will be had, again, on our website, KUCI.org. So, as you were saying, my dear friend, as I so elvishly interrupted. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. I, I thought we would start off with some of the professor's writings, the professor himself, about calendars. He not only devised many languages, as mm-hmm. we know, for The Lord of the Rings and what he called translating those languages, but we know in real life he devised them. Right. But he also devised calendars. And I wanted to read a little bit about the calendars from Appendix D mm-hmm. of The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, which is the final segment of the saga mm-hmm. of the historical romance. The calendars from Appendix D. The calendar in the Shire differed in several features from ours. The year, no doubt, was of the same length. For long ago, as those times are now reckoned in years and lives of men, they were not very remote, according to the memory of the earth. It is recorded by the hobbits that they had no week when they were still a wandering people, and though they had months governed more or less by the moon, their keeping of dates and calculations of time were vague and inaccurate. In the westlands of Eriador, when they had begun to settle down, they adopted the king's reckoning of the Dunedane, which was ultimately of Elderin origin. But the hobbits of the Shire introduced several minor alterations. This calendar, or Shire reckoning as it was called, was ad- eventually adopted also in Bree, except for the Shire usage of counting as year one, the year of the colonization of the Shire. Mm. It is often difficult to discover from old tales and traditions precise information about things which people knew well and took for granted in their own day, such as the names of the letters of the alphabet, or of the days of the week, or the names and lengths of the months. But owing to their general interest in genealogy, and to the interest in ancient history which the learned amongst them developed after the War of the Ring, the Shar Hobbits seem to have concerned themselves a good deal with dates, and they even drew up complicated tables showing the relations of their own system of dates with other systems of dates. Mm. He continues later in Appendix D, 
The hobbits were conservative and continued to use a form of king's reckoning adapted to fit their own customs. Their months were all equal and had thirty days each, but they had three summer days, called in the Shire the Live or the Live Days, between June and July. The last day of the year and the first of the next year were called the Yule Days. Mm. The Yule Days and the Live Days remained outside the months, so that January 1st was the second and not the first day of the year. Every fourth year, except in the last year of the century, there were four live days. The live days and the Yule Days were the chief holidays and times of feasting. The additional live day was added after Mid-Year's Day, and so the 184th day of the leap year was also called Overlive and was a day of special merrymaking. In full Yuletide was six days long, including the last three and first day, first three days of the year. So... Uh, that, and, and again, Appendix D goes on about the various Elvish calendars and so right. on and so forth. The Dunedane being a very strong feature of this situation. It, it's just amazing how Professor Tolkien, John J.R.R. R. Tolkien, not to give away a uh, an answer to a little quiz that we will be interactively <laughs> exploring later, but uh, J.R.R. R. Tolkien uh, loved languages. Mm-hmm. But he also was interested in calendars and devised a very rich set of calendaring for the Lord of the Rings. Absolutely. And even for the time before that, <clears throat> if you read in the Silmarillion, you will find out when when the, uh, when the time as we know it actually started with the Valar. So I won't give away any secrets either. I have to find out for our listeners will have to find out for themselves. And I believe the answer is to be found in the Ainu Lindali, the Song of the Ainur. Which is a tremendously beautiful prose piece. And um, again, welcome to all of our friends who are listening, both online. I want to say a special shout out and hello to our friends who might be listening from theonering.com, Tolkien Online, and Ro, who might be listening down in uh, Escondido. Uh, Had a wonderful time with her over the holidays. I hope everyone had a wonderful Christmas and Hanukkah and holidays and it's always I always love the holidays but I always kind of like right after the holidays it's kind of like okay now let's get on <laughs> let's get on with the things you know uh, once all of the chocolate's gone <laughs> once all the chocolate's gone and oh my gosh this this uh, Christmas to New Year's period the Hobbit had plenty I would like to give a special shout out and welcome to my old supervisor in company I used to work Ooh. for by the name of Dave, Dave Allison, a, a wonderful leader of men, a wonderful and mighty leader of men. He had that combination of nobility and humor that is seldom, mm. seldom seen in a manager and also, like many people, very, very intelligent, but hardworking and a noble leader. And so, hello, hello, Dave. I know he cannot listen live, but he is listening now via podcast. And welcome also to my old friends Martin in Toronto, Donna and Chuck here in West Los Angeles. Yay. <clears throat> friends are My nieces wonderful and nephews. <laughs> As J.R.R. Tolkien would attest to, that the friendship, the love... Uh, the love that is friendship is a very, very uh, wonderful thing, as uh, we see so such a great example of in the the Inklings, and uh, which was just one of many clubs that right. he attended or co-founded. Yes, I would like to read a little bit today, and we're going to be hearing from the professor himself before oh, too yes. long. But uh, just a little bit because J.R. Tolkien, I 
didn't bring the exact quote because I didn't bring my biography book with me, but J.R.R. Tolkien um, referred to himself often as if he was one of the characters of Middle Earth, he would have been a hobbit. You know, that he liked, uh, how did he put it? He liked fancy waistcoats and good food and a pipe or something, something to that effect. Didn't like adventures much and like staying home and going to bed early and getting up late and things of that nature. And um, so I wanted to read a little bit just about I love in The Hobbit, he actually has this paragraph that talks about what is a hobbit. And then we have some gifts to give away today because hobbits, the hobbit custom is giving gifts on your birthday rather than getting them. Uh, So I thought also I would read that little passage from the Fellowship of the Ring that talks about hobbits giving, giving presents. So first may I read from The Hobbit about what is a hobbit. So maybe if you think of as we're listening to this, think of the professor and raise a, raise a, raise a glass of cheer to him. <clears throat> so it says here in the chapter, An Unexpected Party. Um, he's talking about the mother of our particular hobbit, and then he has a dash. What is a hobbit? I suppose hobbits need some description nowadays since they have become rare and shy of the big people, as they call us. They are or were a little people, about half our height and smaller than the bearded dwarves. Hobbits have no beards. There is little or no magic about them, except the ordinary everyday sort, which helps them to disappear quietly and quickly when large stupid folk like you and me come blundering along, making a noise like elephants which they can hear a mile off. (laughs) They are inclined to be fat in the stomach, They dress in bright colors, chiefly green and yellow, wear no shoes because their feet grow natural leathery soles and thick warm brown hair like the stuff on their heads, which is curly, have long clever brown fingers, good natured faces, and laugh deep fruity laughs, especially after dinner, which they have twice a day when they can get it. Does this sound like anyone I know, my dear friend? <laughs> well, elf princess. Although you don't have really, you don't have a big, you don't have a big tummy. Well, I I do have in my mind a, a very large stomach, and uh, but I have been trying to economize. My intention is to become healthier this year than I was last year. Yes. Well, you do have a wonderful deep fruity laugh, and um, <laughs> do you have dinner twice a day? <laughs> I don't have dinner twice a day, but I certainly will have dinner as much as possible. Let's put it that way. (laughs) Well, as I mentioned before, we do have some gifts to give out to our listeners today in honor of J.R.R. Tolkien's birthday. So I wanted to read this little part from The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Rings. So first I read from the um, Unexpected Party, and this is a little excerpt from The Long Expected Party. The first chapter. The first chapter. It says, and it's talking about, you know, the party uh, business going on, the tents going up. And it says, then the weather clouded over. That was on Wednesday, the eve of the party. Anxiety was intense. Then Thursday, September the 22nd, actually dawned. The sun got up, the clouds vanished, clouds were unfurled, and the fun began. Bilbo Baggins called it a party, but it was really a variety of entertainments rolled into one. Practically everybody living near was invited. A very few were overlooked by accident, but as they turned up all the same, that did not matter. (laughs) Many people from other parts of the Shire were also asked, and there were even a few from outside the borders. 
Bilbo met the guests and additions at the new White Gate in person. He gave away presents to all and sundry. The latter were those who went out again by a back way and came in again by the gate. <laughs> Hobbits give presents to other people on their own birthdays. Not very expensive ones, as a rule, and not so lavishly as on this occasion, but it was not a bad system. Actually, in Hobbiton and Bywater, every day in the year it was somebody's birthday, so that every hobbit in those heart parts had a fair chance of at least one present at least once a week. But they never got tired of them. Isn't that delightful? Just, just wonderful, and and oh my gosh, it is such a typical description of us hobbits. It's exactly the way we are. And oh my gosh. it's, I love that J.R. Tolkien created this or discovered this about many of his peoples of Middle Earth because we see this with the hobbits giving presents on their birthday and we also see it with the elves. The elves loved to give gifts. <clears throat> they give gave gifts, all those gifts to the fellowship as they were going out on their uh, journey, gifts that were practical as well as beautiful. They gave gifts for sentiment. It was a custom that the um, bride would give a gift to her betrothed. Uh, so anyway, gift giving. I love that uh, J.R. Tolkien had this concept of the giving of gifts in the um, in the world of Middle Earth. <clears throat> so we have some gifts. Oh my gosh! What do what do we ha- what do we have today? Oh, and we have a we have a question first, right? Well, we have a number of questions, Elf Princess. <laughs> some of whom, some of which, I will read the answers to, oh. and some, the last one, I will not. Oh. For instance. And and I think you, the elf princess, being all-knowing, would know the first historical information about Tolkien's family name. Does it come from Denmark, Germany, Norway, or Spain? And yes, you're right, it's Germany. Yes, the Tolkien's originally came from Germany in the 18th century. They arrived in England, probably from the Hanoverian dynasty, and mm. can be translated into English as foolhardy. <laughs> <laughs> That's how, it's very interesting sometimes when we find out the etymology of our names and what they actually um, meant. So that's that that's very cute. <clears throat> J.R.R. Tolkien had a sister. True or false? Oh gosh, I really should know this. Wait, wait, wait. Yes. And the answer is false. <gasps> he only had one brother, Hillary. Oh, that's right. What am I thinking of? Yes, Hillary. I'm thinking of the children uh, and Priscilla. And Priscilla. Yes, that's a different question. <laughs> that's a different question. <laughs> um, Bagma Bloma, a poem written by J.R.R. Tolkien. This is a mind bender. This question is very difficult. Bagma Bloma, a poem written by Tolkien, uses mm. a language that is now extinct for many centuries. Which language is that? Gothic, Icelandic, Old English, or Moravian? And the answer, it, it surprised me. I would have Is guessed it, Icelandic. Wait, 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 wait. Gothic? Icelandic, Old English, or Moravian. And yes, it's Gothic. Unbelievable. He wrote a poem in Gothic. Uh, you know what? I, I'm i pretty good on trivia things, but I have never heard of that poem. I I wonder what it's uh, published in. It's it's online. You can actually look oh, it up. Oh, it's online. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I guess what I'd... was the maiden name of Tolkien's beloved wife, Edith, masculine, brat, bolger, or green? She was a brat. <laughs> Absolutely. Interestingly enough, she was an illegitimate child, yeah. and the actual 
nature, the actual truth as to her father, remains a mystery to this day. Mm-hmm. And this is a quiz from funtrivia.com. It's, it's a wonderful website with, with many wonderful questions. This quiz was developed by Mr. Dykstra. For this quiz, he used the most well-known official biography of Professor Tolkien. Who wrote this book? Peter Jackson, Stuart Carpenter, Humphrey Carpenter, or Christopher Tolkien? The, I'm sorry, what was the thing, what, the first... Um, who wrote Who wrote the official biography of oh Tolkien? Oh, yeah, Humphrey Car- Carpenter. Yes, Humphrey Carpenter. <clears throat> I had a feeling that that was the only official one. He had, Peter Jackson. He had unrestricted <laughs> access. He had unrestricted access mm-hmm. to many, many family papers, which Christopher Tolkien, uh, Tolkien's son, um, of course... Tolkien's son Christopher continued working on his father's paper. Right. So that But Christopher is, did never wrote like a biography. Although no. although in a sense he he has, if you read there's so many glimpses into that in all of the commentary from the history of Middle Earth and the Book of Lost Tales. A lot of times in the commentary he tells so much about what his you know, like um in different things or literally three different types of notes or something on a certain passage. Yes. And and he tells a lot of times what was going on in his father's life at the time that he was working on particular manuscripts. Yes. But we so. have a very interesting question. As soon as I need to load up, we would like to oh. play a couple of excerpts from the professor reading, just delightful information, the pres- professor reading. We're going to load that up. And then we're going to have a little musical selection as well. This is from first the J.R.R. Tolkien audio collection. It's the professor reading a couple of selections. And they are, if I remember, they are you can Yes, on on the uh on right. the C D there yeah, we go. Go. Um, from chapter six, The Old Forest. Two wonderful selections, very short selections. And we're going to give you a chance to call in while we're playing these. And there may actually be some music after that as well. <coughs> just as, as there is a actually, time. Actually, I have a little bit of, um, just a little something to say about the music. Go ahead. And we'll just jump right in. Yes. So we're, we'll be playing uh, J.R. Tolkien, reading from. There. Right. First, you're going to ask a question. First, I'm going to ask a question. Uh, the, the reading of J.R. Tolkien is related to the question. Yes. <laughs> and then there will be a song. This is actually from a CD by Drew Bray, who is a local folk artist. He also, um, at, at one time, I'm not sure if he's still one of the worship leaders for uh, Rock Harbor Church, but wonderful uh, local folk singer, and I very much in, have enjoyed his music. And he has a delightful song called What If, which I think is a wonderful um, song for the new year of just, you know, think being open to possibilities and um, and mindfulness about our lives. And we have a copy of this CD to give out to our listeners. So the options for whoever may call in, or if more than one person calls in, the first person gets first choice. We have the Lord of the Rings uh, trilogy. In paperback, in paperback with the lovely stills from the movie on the cover. Yes, and the and a, um, little um, price sticker on there that they're recycled from our favorite uh Friends of the Library Bookstore. But they store. are in very, very excellent condition. Oh, they're condition. in excellent condition. And we also, and we have Drew Bray's CD. And 
you can choose one of those. But first of all, we need to, let's find Drew Bray's CD so we can load it in our magic machine. We hobbits don't like anything more complicated than a donkey cart. Right. And And I think it would be good if we gave out the call-in number for people to call in. Yes, and I'm going to give that out as soon as I read the question. because. Do I have the question? I have the question. You have the Drew Bray music. We're going to play the professor reading a couple of selections from The Lord of the Rings, Chapter 6, The Old Forest. Tom Bombadil appears in Lord of the Rings prominently, but does not actually appear in the movies, interestingly enough. So when people call in, they will have a choice of either the trilogy in paperback or this wonderful CD by Drew Bray. Excellent, excellent music. So, before I read the question, I'm going to remind you, you have a choice of one or the other. The first person to call in gets their choice. The second one will get whatever is left. (laughs) And I'm going to read the question, then I will give you the phone numbers to call in, and we'll listen to some professor and some music. Unless you're really smart, and you have, and if you don't have, you should, the call-in number for KUCI programmed into your cell phone because many, we have lots of great <laughs> giveaways here at KUCI. Uh, and again, it's not a requirement that you answer this question correctly. That's it's just right. the order of call-in that's going to dictate who gets the yes. the prize of their choice. So it's not a master matter of answering this question correctly. But I will read the question, and the elf princess knew the answer, and I did not when I first read it. Here is the question. Who or what was Tom Bombadil before Tolkien used his name in The Fellowship of the Ring? Was it Tolkien's neighbor? The name of Tolkien's sailboat? Was it the name of a doll? Or nothing? That is simply Tolkien invented the name. Mm -hmm. In any case, whether you know the answer or not, please call us here at KUCI Irvine. This is What Would Arwen Do? And the phone number to dial is area code 949-UCI-KUCI. Or in numbers, 949-824-5824. Again, that's 949-824-5824. And here is Professor Tolkien on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Hey, come merry doll, merry doll, me darling. Like goes the weather wind and the feathered starling. Down along underhill, shining in the sunlight, waiting on the doorstep with cold starlight. Very pretty lady, river woman's daughter, slender as the willow wand, clearer than the water. Old Tom Bombadil, water lilies bringing, comes hopping home again. Can you hear him singing? Hey, come merry doll, derry doll, and merry o, goldberry, goldberry, mellow, yellow berry o. Poor old willow man, you tuck your roots away. Tom's in a hurry now. Evening will follow day. Tom's going home again, water lilies bringing. Hey, come merry doll, can you hear me singing? Hop along, my little friends, up the withy window. Tom's going on ahead, candles for it to kindle. Down west sinks the sun, soon you will be groping. When the night shadows fall, then the door will open. Out of the window panes, light will twinkle yellow. Fear no alder black, heed no hoary willow. Fear neither root nor bough, Tom goes on before you. Hey now, merry dog, we'll be waiting for you. Wow, it's wonderful to hear the professor. Again, if you'd like either of our prizes, you have the privilege of calling... KUCI here. Our number is 949-UCI-KUCI or 949-824-5824. And so now we're going to play Drew Bray. Yes. And 
This is the CD that we have for a gift for the professor's birthday. Drew Bray. So, yeah. He's what a wonderful, wonderful artist. Produced yeah. by Drew Bray, performed by Drew Bray. That was track 11, What mm-hmm. If, from the album. Drew Bray. Drew Bray. So now, uh, as we always love to do, it is time to find out if there's anything new happening with the movies. Of course, I'm still ecstatic. Uh, just about Galadriel, Kate Blanchett being, um, you know, a pretty secure for Galadriel and Orlando Bloom. Oh, my gosh. There's so much excitement. But before then, I just wanted to give the answer to our listeners. Oh, that's right. Why don't you repeat the question in case somebody just tuned in? Who or what was Tom Bombadil before Tolkien used that name in The Fellowship of the Ring? Was it Tolkien's neighbor, Tolkien's sailboat, a doll, or nothing, Tolkien invented the name. Well, the answer is a doll. Tom Bombadil was a Dutch doll with a feather in its cap. Mm -hmm. He was owned by Tolkien's second son, Michael. Tolkien's poem, The Adventures of Tom Bombadil, was published in 1934, three years before The Hobbit. So that's the answer to that. And, um, yes, movie news. I'm afraid my researchers don't show anything of solidity. Of course, the big open questions are, obviously, what about Sir Ian McKellen? Right. What about Hugo Weaving? Right. And especially what about Andy Serkis? Because of Riddles in the Dark, one of the key, key parts of The Hobbit as a book, and Andy Serkis was so excellent as Gollum in that tremendous combination of human acting and computer, computer, I wouldn't say enhanced, but computer-realized mm-hmm. human acting that uh, Andy Serkis made so wonderfully possible. So we don't have that news. There is something, one of my favorite websites for news is the OneRing.net. And an interesting thing came to light as I was looking this morning that uh, Ethan Gilsdorf visits Wellington, the Weta Cave and Workshop. Mm-hmm. So he actually went to Wellington trying to stalk Peter Jackson and sneak onto the studios. And so we're going to play the results of his adventures. And this is What Would Arwen Do on KUCI Irvine. The audio will be in a moment here. And this is from YouTube? or This, from- this is a movie on YouTube, yes. Okay. Wonderful. We love YouTube. Donk. (laughs) Keith. Welcome to Wellywood. This is the center of film production. 
here in Wellington, and I'm standing outside of Weta Cave, which is the sort of public gift shop area for fans of the work that's done here at Weta Digital, Weta Workshop, and Peter Jackson's little mini film empire down here. So uh, we're not going to get much of a closer look at what actually goes on inside the special effects facilities here, but at least we can go inside and see what's going on inside the way to cave. Let's go take a look. And who works here in the way to cave? How's it going? Uh, I'd just like you to uh, give us a little Highlight about, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, over here we have one of the original swords made by our swordsmith Peter Lyons. But this would be similar to the ones they would have used in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, the, exactly these are, this is one of the uh, hero swords, essentially. Uh, the ones that we have on display in the cabinets are stunt swords. They're made out of a different material, whereas this is... Uh, Actually, spring steel. This is a very real weapon. You could sharpen it up and use it to uh, <coughs> dismember somebody if you so chose. This, although not made by Weta, this here is one of the cloaks made by a company called Stansborough, who we have a uh, very sort of close affiliation with now. They also work with us on Narnia uh, to make this cloak and these scarves over here. This is a copy of the cloaks given to the Fellowship in Lothlorien by uh, the elves. Um, these are exactly the same as the ones made in the film, so they kept the pattern on their loom, and they actually still hand-make all of this material. Uh, and, yeah, now that we sell these here as, as replicas of the originals used in the film. And how much does this go for? $1,200. $1,200. $1, so, uh... How many do you sell these? But we haven't sold one yet, to be honest. <laughs> but, uh, I think they're really cool, and hopefully someone else feels the same way and will come and part with some of their hard-earned cash for, for a lovely uh, replica cloak. <laughs> Well, there you are. It's a very interesting uh, video there. You can and go to how do people find that? What's what's the name of that YouTube? It's uh, it's it's simple uh, in the sense in a sense it's simple. All you really need to do is go to the OneRing.net and it's under the title video. Ethan Gilsdorf visits Wellington and the Weta Cave and Workshop, and you can directly play it there on uh, YouTube. You need to search for the One Ring, which is T-H-E, numeral one, N-E-R-I-N-G, and you'll see that on the YouTube channel, if that's the way you prefer to catch things. Well, I don't like to be a name-dropping elf. But oh. you have to. <laughs> I, I do have to share that I was very uh, privileged and delighted to have an adventure with Peter Lyon of What a Workshop it was the the year was 2005 i believe and the northwest tolkien society had a con uh, convention up in um SeaTac, uh, I believe it was SeaTac. It was between Seattle. Anyway, uh, Peter Lyon was there doing a workshop on the weaponry of the Lord of the Rings movies. And during the evenings and you know other times, we did other activities. And the first night I was there. There was a there were 
a group of people, and I will have to say that the workshop was amazing. They so many of these weapons they had to make in all these different sizes, you know, because of the way of filming. You know, the sizes had to look larger. You know, the sword had to look the right size in relation. You know, Aragorn's sword had to look at the right size in relation to the hobbits. And these were all really forged weapons. They weren't; these weren't just uh, weapons. In fact, there is a whole book on the the weaponry of the Lord of the Rings. It's amazing. It's a really fascinating book. However, uh, so a group got together and we're playing Hobbit trivia. Well, I had gone to my room and I wanted to join so badly. So I said, "Well, if I said hi, how would anyone like a little um, Elvish Miravore? And perhaps I could join the game." They said, "Oh, yes, please." <laughs> <laughs> so I brought my. Um, uh, my refreshments and my, I believe we had Lord of the Rings goblets um, as well. And I got to play Hobbit, uh, no, Lord of the Rings trivia with uh, Peter Lyon and several other people at the Northwest Tolkien Society Convention. And it was really very fun. The interesting thing about uh, Peter as well is that he does reenactments of jousting. He actually has jousting horses and you know how some people like to do sca events and uh, reenactments of things he that's that's his hobby which you know i'm uh he's probably one of the few people that can afford uh, a (laughs) hobby to do live actual accurate jousting tournaments so that would be very cool to see here in Southern California, we are privileged to have the Medieval Times right. in Buena Park, where you can see jousting and other interesting things. But uh, well, thank you for sharing yeah, that story. Yeah, that was fun. That was, a, that was it's interesting. So like the, fun the Elvish adventures. The video we just heard, the audio portion of the video that we just heard, had someone from Wellington, New Zealand, with whom you've actually had personal face-to-face contact. And. Um, it, and it's because Weta will be doing the weapons and all of that stuff. I mean, it's going to be amazing to see what they do with um, Smog's treasure under the mountain. Oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh. And the Battle of Five Armies. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's going to I be- mean, I expect to see, as we now have a lot more dwarves and we have elves really fighting and different variety of elves, actually, it'll be interesting to see what modifications are made mm-hmm. in the armor. Well, yes, and because in the Lord of the Rings movies, of course, we saw at the beginning of the movie a different army, which was the last alliance of men and elves, which yes. was several thousand years before the War of the Ring. Yes. And then, of course, you have the War of the Ring and the armor of many different armies um, from that period. So that's that's Yes, I'm pointing to the elf princess so uh, that she will remove the all-important Chocolate? chocolate, the delicious Trader Joe's chocolate <laughs> from uh, the equipment so it doesn't melt. <laughs> oh. I don't know the temperature of that equipment that it oh. was resting on. It may be nothing. <laughs> well, the only other movie news I have this mm-hmm. week is very, very important for those of us living here in Southern California. Again, per the net. although you can go to American Cinema Tech and get the same information, there's a grand start to this new year for us movie lovers. Mm. The Egyptian Theater in Hollywood will be screening the director's cut, or uh. in other words, the extended versions of the entire Lord of the Rings on yes. January 22nd, Saturday, January 22nd, at 1 p.m. Oh, my gosh. This is as a result of the Independent Film and Television Alliance, IFTA, marking its 30th anniversary. They've selected the 30 most significant independent films from around the world produced over the last 30 years since they were founded. 
And, of course, The Lord of the Rings is certainly one of those, as it was not produced by MGM or any of the large, the original Seven mm-hmm. Sisters, it was uh, it was produced by an independent outfit at the time, which now has become what I would call a mini major. Yes, I may have to find someone and go off on an Elvish adventure that day, up to the Egyptian theater, and I was very privileged to get to see um, the trilogy at the premiere of The Return of the King up at The Gathering in uh, December of 2012, although, of course, we did not get to see the extended version of Return of the King because it was The Return of the King was just premiering. That's right. But you got to see the extended versions of the other two on that day? Yes. And it, it's and if you have an opportunity, if this comes to your area, it's, a, it's really a lot of fun and a wonderful thing. Of course, nowadays we have such wonderful technology. We can actually do movie marathons at home uh, in, you know, with the, all the comforts of home and with a giant screen theater and surround sound and all of that. So many people are a very... Um, you know, privileged to have something like that. But there's something about going to the theater and actually sitting through three movies in, in you know, in the whole environment of the movie theater. So I may have to may have to make a little trip up there and do that. I wonder if they have stadium seating. Probably not. Oh, my gosh. It's just... So uh, that's... Uh, if you are in Southern California, though, uh, and and if you're going, please email me because we could say hello if I if I get to go. And if you'd like to email us and say hello or let us know you're going to the movie premiere, ask an elf, A-S-K-A-N-E-L-F, ask an elf at yahoo.com. And so they're showing Fellowship of the Ring, 208 minutes, mm. Two Towers, 223 minutes. And Return of the King, 201 minutes. So it's quite a, a good dose of watching there. So again, you can go to AmericanCinematech.com or you can go to TheOneRing.net. But January 22nd, Saturday at 1 p.m. at the Egyptian Theater. And that's it really for the, the movie news. Um, you know, yesterday was Tolkien's 119th birth, birthday, his mm-hmm. uh, 119th birthday. And... I've, I reread for the first time in a long time the very first paragraphs of Humphrey Carpenter's authorized biography of Tolkien. And very interesting how he begins this biography mm-hmm. with Blomfontein, which of mm-hmm. course is in South Africa. That's where Tolkien was born, although at the age of three he moved to England with his family, mm-hmm. with his mother, not his father. His father stayed behind. But this is how the official biography begins. On a March day in 1891, the steamer Roslyn Castle left dock to sail from England to the Cape. Standing on the stern deck, waving to the family she would not see again for a long time, was a slim, good-looking girl of 21. Mabel Suffield was going to South Africa to marry Arthur Tolkien. It was in every way a dividing point in her life. Behind her left Birmingham, foggy days, and family teas. Ahead was an unknown country, eternal sunshine, and marriage to a man 13 years her senior. Oh, I didn't know. Right, right. So Mabel was 13 years younger than Arthur. We're talking here about Tolkien's parents. Mm -hmm. Third paragraph. Although Mabel was so young, there had been a long engagement, for Arthur Tolkien had proposed to her, and she had accepted three years earlier, soon after her 18th birthday. However, her father would not permit a formal betrothal for two years because of her youth, 
and so she and Arthur Tolkien could only exchange letters in secret and meet at evening parties where the family eye was upon them. Now, isn't that interesting? So, so parallel to the the uh, experience that J.R.R. and Edith had. Exactly right. In the case of Tolkien, J.R.R. Tolkien, when he wanted to wed his wife to be Edith Bratt, uh, his custodian, his um, caretaker, if you will, uh, the father, the good Catholic priest, said, no, 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 you want to wait until you're 21 so that you can do this responsibly. Mm -hmm. And Tolkien suffered it as a tremendous hardship. Mm -hmm. So, uh, a tremendous thing. Although, I must say also, I love the part from the letter <laughs> of October 1971. This is written uh, to Peter Zabos Thermihili. In October 1971, he writes about biography. The following points, however, I should like to make briefly. One of my strongest opinions is that investigation of an author's biography, or such other glimpses of his personality as can be gleaned by the curious, is an entirely vain and false approach to his works, and especially to a work of narrative art, of which the object aimed at by the author was to be enjoyed as such, to be read with literary pleasure, so that any reader whom the author has, to his great satisfaction, succeeded in pleasing should, if he wishes others to be similarly pleased, endeavoring in his own words, with only the book itself as his source, to induce them to read it for literary pleasure. And so, in other words, Tolkien was very, very, very much against biographical analysis, as we critics call it. Mm -hmm. Oh my, oh my gosh. And oh, where princess. ever does the time go? It what, just, uh... what happened to the time? <laughs> Where did the time go? <laughs> the time just flies away when we are together, and especially when we are talking about things that we love, Middle Earth, uh, the writings and inspiration of J.R.R. Tolkien, and um, yeah, it's just always a fun time, and it always flies by, and we're always surprised. <laughs> You'd think we would be surprised. And, well, but you know we, what the good news is? The good we news continue is, What Would Arwen Do next week, and the really great news is I will not be behind this confounded, <laughs> infernal board, this complex machinery. We hobbits like nothing more complicated than a donkey cart. This uh, <laughs> complex electronics and state-of-the-art computer and all this other stuff. Well, I want to thank you for being open to a new adventure, my dear Hobbit friend. And the last three months certainly have been an adventure. And it's been an adventure for me, too. It's, it, you know, I... I like to be mindful of things and especially being the yoga elf and teaching and practicing yoga and some of the wonderful principles and wisdom of yoga. And one of those is non-attachment. And so for me, uh, after doing the show for five years, having to come to terms with not being attached to um, this show and being willing to say, well, if the show must go on, you are not going to host it this time. We'll see if the Hobbit is willing to host it. He can have a new adventure, and I will have an adventure about releasing control. And it has been wonderful, and you have been delightful. And you have risen to the occasion of multitasking, uh, which I think is a wonderful accomplishment for a hobbit. But I will be so pleased <laughs> and so happy to be sitting on the other side of the board with just a microphone to worry about next week. Well, this is What Would Arwen Do on KUCI Irvine. I want to thank all of you for listening. 
We will be back next week with another new program at 4 p.m. Pacific Time in the new quarter of programming. And Happy New Year, Elf Princess. It's just such a joy to work with you on this labor of love. Happy New Year to you and to all of our listeners. And again, for us and for all that we meet, Alin Salalum and Nomentielvo, a star shines on the hour of our meeting. And until next week, Namariye, KUCI in Irvine.